Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going up until 8 o'clock tonight, 704-570-1110 is the telephone number as always. And guys, follow me on Twitter slash X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, guys, so earlier today at 3 o'clock, from 3 to 4 o'clock during the Brett Winnable Show, he had a special guest, former governor and former presidential candidate Mike Huckabee, and now current TV star, and Mark Harris, who's running for Congress in District 8. They were both in studio with Brett Winnable during the, eight o'clock, during the 3 o'clock hour. So what I want to do is take some of those highlights over the next five minutes or so, six minutes or so, and give you some of the highlights of what transpired. And then I really strongly encourage you to go to WBT.com and listen to the full one-hour interview with the two because there's a lot of laughs and there's a lot of information as well. So here are some of the highlights that I pieced together from the Mark Harris and Governor Mike Huckabee interview. Governor Huckabee, I got to start with a story that's contemporary to right now. (laughs) And apparently, uh, Senator Rand Paul saved Joni Ernst's life today by administering the Heimlich maneuver during a luncheon where she was choking. You know a little something about that, especially being here in North Carolina. Well, it happened in North Carolina a number of years ago. Robert Pittenger was running for lieutenant governor. And we were at uh, a Republican luncheon, uh, I think the state convention. There were 1,200 people in the room at a lunch. And I looked up out of the corner of my eye, and he was sitting on the other end of the dais. And I noticed that he was leaning over and choking, and there was a guy patting him on the back. Well, I was an EMT in college, and I knew what was going on. He was, he was choking. And the guy patting him on the back, I was saying, that's not going to help him at all. He'll die from that. So I just got up and went over and pushed the guy out of the way, reached around him, and gave him the Heimlich maneuver, saved his life. Uh, he was already turning blue at that point, so wow. he was really in distress. And I got a National Red Cross Award. Uh, and as I was saying a few minutes ago, you know, I got all this attention for it, but there was one negative from the whole thing, and that is... Uh, his wife never spoke to me again. So, uh, you know, I, what can I do? Well, you know, that's, that's a but tough this situation. Was, it's interesting. Rand Paul, of course, is a medical doctor. Sure. And he was on my television show just last weekend. A great guy. I love Rand. And he's so, uh, he's so principled. You know, he just doesn't care whether you like what he thinks or not. And I, I respect that a lot about him. And uh, Joni Ernst will now be voting however Rand tells her to. <laughs> A caucus of two. Yes, a caucus of two. That's it. Mark, uh, as you aspire to become a congressman uh, in this next Congress, um, what's your uh, prescription for what it is we're seeing right now? Well, I think it's no question you you mentioned Mike Johnson as a bright spot, and I think he definitely is. We're very thankful that uh, he is in the speaker's chair right now and is doing a great job of trying to balance. And uh, he was dealt a pretty bad hand coming to the end of the year, but has done a tremendous job, I believe, in trying to to move things forward. But uh, I think the issues that you raise are the very issues that the people in this country right now are struggling with. One of the reasons that I'm in this race 
is you go back to 2018 when I ran and when I won before the shenanigans of the State Board of Elections got involved. And the reality is that things are now exponentially worse than the very reasons that drove me to get in that race in 2018 and to win. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I look at what's happening in our economy and how this administration has been able to, to really just undo the things that were in place under President Trump, and uh, when I look at the, the social issues that we see that are happening in the country, who would have ever dreamed that we would have the weaponization right. of agencies in our government that would be turning on the people themselves? Parents speaking out at school board meetings, becoming the targets of investigations. That, that just is uh, it's a call that I think we're hearing from the general public to say enough is enough and it's time to stand up. I have to ask you a question there, uh, uh, Governor, uh, Governor Huckabee, and it's this. You, by the way, delivered, I think, arguably the greatest line of all time in presidential debates. When you <laughs> declared that, that it took till you got to college to realize that you weren't supposed to use lava soap on your body. Was that? Was <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up, I, re- I really did grow up poor. Uh, my father never finished high school. In fact, no male upstream for me ever did. I'm the first male in my entire family lineage to get out of high school. And so I said, when I got to college, um, you know, my dad was just a hardworking guy, lifted heavy things, never got all the grub out of his hands. He scrubbed and all. And I said, the only soap we had when I grew up was lava. And I said, I was in college before I found out it's not supposed to hurt when you take a shower. (laughs) And then, you know, people look at me like, what's lava? And I'm thinking, yeah, you didn't grow up in a working class family. Right. But then I tell people, I said, you know, a lot of wives will spend a lot of money going to the spa and get an exfoliation. That's right. And a bar of lava will do the same thing for a whole lot less money. (laughs) Holy cow. But I'd urge husbands on Valentine's, do not give your wife a bar of lava soap and say, here, honey, go exfoliate yourself. Because if you do. There will be some skin coming off you, and lava won't even be involved. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They want to repeal those tax cuts. Those tax cuts are – that's the only thing keeping us in the game right now. That's right. You talk about a little bit of breathing room that the president talks about. There's going to be a lot of bit of choking room if they get get their way, and you would be going up to the Congress. And and what's your position on the taxes and and, and providing support for the folks out there working? Absolutely. We've got to keep those tax cuts in place. I mean, to allow them to expire uh, is going to be a disaster. I mean, when you look at what is happening in in our country and with the cost of – inflation and families feeling it. One of the things that Governor Huckabee always reminded me of years ago when we first met and talked, he said, you know, I was very curious about his path that he kind of took and knew, of course, he had been a pastor. And um, he, one of the things that he said really stuck with me. He said, you know, Mark, as a pastor, you know exactly where everybody's life for the most part, is being lived. You know what it is to sit down at the kitchen table with somebody who has just gotten the word that they've lost their job, and they're wondering how they're going to make ends meet. He said, you've sat across the table from a young girl and her boyfriend who's just found out she's pregnant, and she's got to make a decision, and you're getting an opportunity to counsel with her. This is not just a political football that's going back and forth. He said, you've got the opportunity to deal with people who have got to decide, are they going to be able to pay for health care insurance or not? I mean, because that's what we see in everyday people, just like you're talking about. And as you say, this administration under this president is so out of touch, and there is a huge disconnect. And I think we're seeing it around the country where people are standing up and saying that we're going to have our voice heard. 
And that's exactly what we want to do in going to Washington. I mean, when we look, again, I referenced back in 2018 when I ran and I won, we were looking at $21 trillion of national debt. And we were saying, this is crazy. We've got to make sure that we get our spending under control. Well, now it's over $33 trillion all these years later, and we're looking at $21 trillion in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Something's got to give here, and it's not going to be just business as usual. We've got to get into some dramatic decisions that have got to be made. I mean, just making a cut here and a cut there, not going to do it. Right. You're going to have to see whole agencies that are going to have to be just removed. And you may start with the Department of Education, sure. as that's been discussed. You may do it with the Department of Energy. Right. Uh, there are other things that we can do. And we've got to have people that are going to stand consistently, and they've got to stand courageously when they get to Washington. And that's that's what we want to do. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Some really cool stuff there. Again, go to WBT.com and check out the entire hour-long interview. Well, when you get rid of a lot of the commercials, it might be about 35, 40 minutes. But I still strongly recommend that you go there, check out it, because it was really, really good. So check it out at WBT.com, the first hour of the Brett Winnable Show. All right, when we return, there was some news that going on in Charlotte today, including a teacher accused of having sex with a student. And we'll talk about how this one is a weird one in a little bit of a way. So we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, so we're going to get a lot. We've got left to get into for the remaining of the night, taking you up until 8 o'clock. And guys, by the way, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, so yesterday you started hearing words that there's some troubling and rumblings going on with involving a teacher at South Mac High School and a student. I didn't know any of the details. I was just hearing rumblings that something like that was going on. Well, early the early this morning, we've got the actual details, and they came in from CMPD, and basically it's like this. A science teacher at South Mac High School, 26-year-old Gabriella Newfield, and she was arrested following everything that was going on, an investigation by CMPD. And so the records show that Newfield and a student, who, by the way, is 18, she's 26, the student is 18, and they uh, engaged in intercourse or sexual act at least five times since October 18th. These are the allegations. And the police said that Newfield and the 18-year-old student did this away from the actual school. And that basically all this occurred after the mom said that she found, at least this is according to reports, that the the mom found the student and the teacher having sex in a car. I Maybe it was in a driveway or something. That seems a little silly and reckless if that's what was actually happening. But there, this leads to a lot of things. And she is now charged, talk about Newfeld, charged with five counts of felony sexual activity with a student. Okay, that's what she's charged with. And CMS, is, by the way, has said that she's been suspended with pay as of November 29th. And that a, that's yesterday, obviously, and that a final decision on her employment status 
will be going before the school board and then they will decide. Now, here's the thing. And it gets into a gray area a lot of times. But the problem with some of this is, and it's not a problem. I understand what's going on. I totally understand it. She's 26. He's 18. He could quit school today and register and sign up for the army and be sent overseas somewhere to fight and kill terrorists. That could actually happen before he turns 19. So he's actually 18 years old. Now, there are some laws in here that I don't know if you guys understand. If she's a teacher at South Mech High School and he's of legal consent, which, by the way, is 16 in the state of North Carolina and in the majority states of the country, it's 16 years old. But let's say she's at South Mech High School and he's at Independence High School. It's still a crime because he is a student and she is a teacher Even though he's 18 years old and even though he's in a completely different school, it's still a crime in North Carolina. And look, I get it. I understand why you can't have teachers sleeping with students. And usually it's the other way around. Usually it's a male student trying to be with a fee, or excuse me, a male teacher trying to be with a female student. But the last two that we've had have been female teachers with male students. I part of me is like, you know. Felony charges, it, it, it seems a little drastic to be, you know, hey, an 18-year-old is with a 26-year-old, and I, I get it. I understand that they're at the same school, you know, but should she really have to register as a sex offender for the next 30 years or for the rest of her life? I, I To me, that seems drastic. I mean, she was reckless and careless at the very least for doing things that she did, like, in a car and the mom found them having sex in a car, like that seems careless and reckless. But at the same point, is it felony? Is it worth a felony? Again, he's 18. No, I, again, I, you, in theory, you could be saying the seventh, same thing about a 17 year old and a 16 year old, because that is legal in North Carolina. Now I understand but here's the thing. It really doesn't matter that it's the same school. Like I said, they could be in different schools and it's still a crime, at least in North Carolina. And it might be a federal crime. I'm not sure. But I know it's a crime in North Carolina for a teacher to have sex with any student. I think especially in their district. Would it make a difference? You know, here's the thing. This woman could be 23 years old or 22 years old and just having graduated from college in May. And this is her first teaching job. And she could be 22. He could be 18. And it would still be a felony. But if they worked at the post office, it's not a felony. If they worked at Harris Teeter, it's not a felony. So I just wonder about that a little bit. Like, it just seems a little harsh. And look, this is just me. I I don't know. Like I said, I I just, I know a lot of people are going to be very upset by that. Brent, look, but I just saying, when you look at everything, the ages of the people involved, it obviously didn't happen on school. It could be people from Harris Teeter. It could be people from Belk. It could be people from a restaurant. It could be people at a government agency like the post office. It could be anywhere. But because it's there at a school, even though they're both 18 and older, it's a felony. And so she's been charged with five counts of this. And I don't know. Like I said, I'm a little torn. I'm a torn on what 
her punishment should be. I, you know, I, I do think having to register as a sex offender for the next 30 years seems to be a little drastic, but, um, maybe the judge won't require that. I don't know. I, but, it, but it also might be mandatory in North Carolina if something like this is she's found guilty of this. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what is going to happen here, but some of that just seems a little drastic. Now, I understand if the roles are reversed, maybe it's because we have different standards with men and women. If it were a male teacher having sex with a female student, would I look at it differently? Probably. Is that fair? No, but that's the way I do it. Even if she was 18, I still might look at it differently. If the exact same thing was going on, he was 26, or maybe he was 23 and she's 18. That's still illegal because they are teacher-student, even though, like I said, if they worked at anywhere else and they were together anywhere else, it's not a crime. You know, like I said, the post office, Harris Teeter, Belk, a restaurant, anywhere else, it's not a crime. There, it's a crime. And a very, very serious one at that. So when we come back, I want to play Chris Tabor's press conference. Now, Chris Tabor, in case you don't know, is the new interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And I want to play that so you can hear some of his answers on what he thinks about this team going forward and some of his philosophies going forward. So when we come back, I'm going to play some of the Chris Tabor press conference that happened on Tuesday, the exact same day that David Tepper had his press conference. So when we come back, we'll play some stuff from the new Carolina Panthers head coach. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Now let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on Breaking with Brett Jensen on this Thursday night, the last day of November, 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on Twitter, or I should say X. Follow me on X. I really want to start saying that because I support Elon Musk and basically everything he does. So follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, so as I mentioned previously, Chris Tabor, He's the new interim head coach. He's the third interim head coach under David Tepper. But he's going to be the head coach for the remainder of the season for the Carolina Panthers. And he's the special teams coach. And a lot of times special teams coaches don't get opportunities like this. But because his brand and his area has been so successful over the last couple of years that he has been named the interim head coach. And it's not like he doesn't understand the rest of the football team. He does. He understands offense, defense, and special teams. But he met with the media, and it was introduced to the media. I mean, we already knew who he was, but he met with the media for the first time as the interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers on Tuesday. And he met with us about 15 minutes after David Tepper had his press conference. And so I wanted you to hear Chris Tabor's press conference because we asked him a lot of questions about philosophy and stuff like that. Because like I said, we already knew who he is. We already know about him, but we want to know what he thinks going forward as the new interim head coach. And by the way, some of the first things he did was fire Deuce Staley as running backs coach and uh, McCown as the quarterbacks coach. Got rid of them immediately. That was his decision. And that's not uncommon, by the way, for interim head coaches once they're named to immediately make changes, even at the college level or at the pro level. Steve Wilkes fired two people last year immediately upon being named Panthers interim head coach, so it's not all that unusual. But right now, here's what Chris Tabor, your new interim head coach for the Carolina Panthers, said on Tuesday. All right. Morning, everybody. First and foremost, I'd just like to say this. Uh, these are tough times, and uh, 
because you're talking about uh, relationships, and that's what coaching is. You, you have relationships with players. You have relationships with, with other coaches. And a decision was made, uh, and, and I understand that. And, and Because the NFL, it's also a business. And so I'm, I'm well aware of that. And I'm very grateful and thankful for Coach Wright keeping me around last year when, when he first got here. And at the same time, I'm thankful for Mr. Tepper having confidence in me uh, to have this opportunity to lead the team uh, these next six games. So we're moving forward. Uh, today's a big work day, big game plan day. So uh, with that, uh, I'll answer any questions. All right. I'll pick up any questions that you know. Uh, Coach David, Kyle Bailey, WFNZ. What directive, what mandate have you been given for the rest of this season? What do they want to see out of this team after a one in ten start with you know no postseason on the horizon? Like, what, what are those checklists that need to be hit? Well, I think obviously everything that we're always trying to do is, is is put ourselves in position to win games, and that's what we're working on. I mean, really, what we're doing right now, and I know it's very cliche-ish, but there's there's a process. And today's Tuesday's process. We've got to win today to set us up for tomorrow. And if we can do those things, I always say that sets you up for success and gives you an opportunity for, for success on Sunday. And uh, that's, that's what we're trying to get done. David Yeah, Chris, uh, how, how much of your changes you made yesterday with um, getting rid of Josh McCown and um, Staley had to do with the development of Bryce Young and trying to improve that? Well, first and foremost, I'd, I'd say this. Uh, I made those decisions, and as I mentioned earlier in my opening statement, coaching is about relationships. And I, I respect both those coaches as people and, and coaches, and, and uh, I'm going to keep our talks uh, in-house. Uh, and and what, anything that we do, we're always trying to, to continue to improve our team. Alex? Hey, Chris, uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, you were the interim coach for a game, in uh, for one game in 2021 when uh, the head coach, coach had COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you learn from that experience, and are there any lessons that are transferable into the situation you're in now? No, I think a lot of things that I, I learned there. Um, it happened a couple times. Also, in, in the spring, uh, Coach got COVID uh, during OTA, so I was responsible for the team during the week there. And then when we played San Francisco around Halloween, I believe it was. Um, things that you learn, I mean, I have my special teams area now, and, and, and really you just kind of expand everything. You know, I have to oversee offense and defense and game, game management, but those are a lot of things that I'm always doing anyway. Uh, it's just now... I just have to have a little bit more of a, a peripheral view. Yeah, yeah. Um, this will be the, the second and/or third play caller that Bryce will be having uh, this year. Uh, will this will this transition be fluid for him? I think Bryce will do great. Thomas will call the plays, and Thomas has already called the plays, so I think it's, it's very easy. Jack. Coach, elaborate a little bit on that with Thomas Brown regaining play calling abilities with Jim Caldwell looking over. Speak a little bit to how that relationship will kind of work and how you will conversate, have conversations with him on the sideline. Well, I'm going to let him work. And uh, my, my job is to help facilitate game management and, and, and work from there. But uh, collectively, the offensive staff, they're up there right now and they're, ga they're game playing. They're all working together. So it's a, it's a unified group uh, working towards one common goal. Brett? I got you. After Brett, we'll go, go. Uh, Chris, in terms of offensive philosophies, because, you know, the offense obviously has been an issue all year, with 
Have you spoken to Caldwell and Thomas about that changing of the offensive philosophies or anything else that you guys are going to try and change? We've talked about status quo. No, we've talked about things. And at the same time, uh, I'm going to probably keep those in house. And uh, you can't overhaul ev everything, but I think you can do some things, and, and uh, we'll work on that. Chris, two, two part question. Were you given any sort of uh, Assurance might not be the right word, but were you told you'll have an opportunity to have this gig full-time and then? No, I, I haven't had that assurance. I'm, and to be honest with you, I'm just, I'm working on today. And that, that's all I'm focused on. And secondly, you were obviously here last year when Steve took over. What did, what will you take away from how he handled it? You guys finished up pretty strong, obviously. I think there's a lot of things you can learn from that that experience right there. I, I think, it still goes back to to just winning the day and winning the process. And I and like I said earlier, I know it's very coach speak and those things, but I, I do I do believe that uh, because in this business, I mean, the NFL train is always moving, and the NFL monster will eat you at any time. And you need to be prepared, and you need to take the proper steps to set yourself up for success. And, and that's what we're trying to work on right now. Coach, in addressing the team after this transition, what was important for you to convey? There were some things that we talked about that I'm going to, I'm going to keep in-house. Um, I, I would say this, and I, and I talk about this in our special teams unit. If it, when you turn the tape on, I just want people to say that's a classy, hard-hitting unit that plays with great unity. And that's, that's probably how I'd sum that up. Caldwell has a lot of experience. Is that someone you're going to lean on in the background? Oh, 100%. I mean, think, think about, okay, I'm the interim head coach for six games. We have Coach Caldwell down the hall, Coach Capers down the hall, two very highly successful uh, coaches and men in this league. So, yes, I, I, I go to them quite a bit. Mike Salate, followed by Shima. Chris what is you? What is your philosophy and your thought on keeping this room together? Because when a coach – is, is dismissed. I mean, there's the real potential for fracturing and for guys to kind of not be on the same page. Well, uh, here's how I look at it. Um, the tape is all that matters. That, that's my resume. How, how, for example, how my units play, that, that's my resume. How a player plays, that's his resume. And what I would say uh, to anyone, I've used this before because I've been in this situation before, uh, when there's change, all you can handle is what you can do. And you need to take care of your business because when things change and people begin to review the tape, um, they're, they're studying you. Do, do we want to keep this player? Do we want to keep this coach? So it's in your best interest to do your job at the highest level, regardless of what your record is, regardless of what the situation is. Your professional football player, your professional coach, be a pro, and, and that's how I look at it. We'll take two more. we we'll go David, and then we'll go Joe one more time. Chris. Oh. Oh, I see. will not forget you. Why do you think that Frank was fired and you're here today as the interim coach? I have no opinion on that. I, here, here's my deal. I, I'm, I'm staying in my lane. I was presented an opportunity, and now, you know, things have changed for me and my role, and that's what I'm just concentrating on. Uh, you and Jim Caldwell have already made one decision in tandem. Um, can you share with us what his role will be going forward? I, I made that decision, and uh, those are always tough decisions. Uh, but Parks Frazier will be our quarterback coach, and Coach Caldwell will be in that room helping, and Thomas Brown will be our play caller and coaching the running backs. 
Chris, are there, uh, are there any players or personnel groupings that you want to change, maybe get some guys on the field that we haven't seen a lot of the, these first 11 games? We'll probably shy away from some of those answers right now, you know, and just kind of let the tape and, and the play speak for itself. Okay, so like I said, Chris Tabor not revealing a lot, but giving us some nuggets on philosophies and what it's like being the head coach and the team and everything else. So it is it is good that uh, if you're going to do that, he got, I mean, they easily could have gone with Jim Caldwell. They easily could have gone with Dom Capers because both of whom have been longtime head coaches in the NFL. As a matter of fact, the Carolina Panthers, their very first head coach in the entire existence of the team was Dom Capers. So they're both back as special assistants and, you know, consultants and stuff like that with the team. So easily they could have gone with him. And you heard him mention those two specifically. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to get into a few other things before we send you off into this Thursday night. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this final segment of Breaking with Brett Jensen before we send you off into the Thursday night. 704-570-1110 is always the telephone number here. And guys, as always, follow me on X. Again, I'm going to make a very concentrated effort to make sure I start calling it X for now on. For Elon Musk, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, so the other big thing that happened today, you know, we talked about the South Mech teacher thing and all that. The other big thing that's, you know, happened today is that a judge ruled that the video showing the officer, the CMPD officer, hitting that woman 17 times or striking her 17 times, kneeing her and hitting her in the thigh, specifically the thigh, to try and to get her to succumb and give herself up. All that body cam footage and dash cam footage and all the other videos that are around that the government owns, whether it's street cams or whatever the case may be, anything that the government owns, any video footage that shows this, it will now have to be released no later than December 12th. Now, the judge said, hey, there's a lot of things going on here. Some things need to be redacted, including, you know, innocent people to protect identities and also any video showing her undergarments, her underwear, bra, panties, whatever the case may be. But here's a full report from Queen City News about everything going on, including argument from the woman's attorney to not show all the footage after all. With that breaking news here at noon, a Mecklenburg County judge just ordered the release of several videos related to a controversial arrest by Charlotte Mecklenburg Police. Queen City News reporter Casey Jones is live at the courthouse where that hearing wrapped up just within the last hour. Casey, when will the public actually get to see that video? We just got out of that hearing moments ago, Annie, and December 12th is the day. A judge has ruled that all videos must be publicly released by that day. Let's take a look at the incident in question. It happened back on November 13th that shows the controversial arrest of Christina Pierre and Anthony Lee. It set a bus stop near South Tryon in Arrowwood. 
The viral video shows Officer Vincent Pistone hitting Pierre 17 times, giving her compliance strikes while trying to arrest her. But that video only shows part of the incident. That's why lawyers for CMPD, Pistone, Pierre, and Lee all want the body camera video released. But there's a disagreement on what exactly should be released. Lawyers for CMPD and Pistone want all the video out, but lawyers for Pierre and Lee say the parts that show their clients in custody should be left private because they show human suffering. Specifically, we um, are of the opinion that there's no compelling public interest in those, and those contain um, material that's of a highly sensitive and personal nature and do not um, at all pertain to what led up to the arrest, which what is what is in question here, Your Honor. But even with that argument, the judge said all 28 videos should be released. That will include body cameras, traffic cameras, in-car police cameras, transport video, and in-custody video. Another part of CMPD's petition was that Charlotte City Council get a chance to look at that video in closed session before the public. So that is scheduled to happen December 11th. And then the very next day, December 12th, is the day that the public will get to see that controversial arrest video. And of course, we will continue to follow this story for you. Reporting live from the Mecklenburg County Courthouse, Casey Jones, Queen City News. So in a couple of weeks, we will see all the footage and see if there's going to be something for that woman to sue over. Because I can tell you, they're basically already saying, oh, we're suing. Oh, we are totally suing. And it's funny how that woman had a lawyer. And I will tell you this, she looks like she's a lawyer that belongs somewhere in Beverly Hills. I mean, she doesn't look like your typical lawyer. Not, not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying she doesn't look like a typical lawyer from here in Charlotte. She looks like she would be representing someone out in L.A. or somebody like that. But nonetheless, nonetheless, not judging her. I'm just saying that's what she looks like. Um, not, not like a normal, typical attorney that you would see in Charlotte. Anyways, but, uh, but all that going on, didn't want some of the footage shown. But let's be honest, if you're going to show the footage, let's show it all. Let's show it all. And I'm glad the judge ruled that, no, we're going to see every single last second of it. Now, I'm also curious, the last time CMPD did something like this, they put a narration on it. Like they made a production out of it and made it put out their own narration of a particular video that they released. So I'm hoping that it's just going to be the audio and not some grand production that CMPD is putting out with play-by-play -play of what's happening. We can see what's happening and we can hear what's happening. We don't need CMP to actually do that for us. We're smart enough. We're smart enough in the media. We're smart enough in the public to understand what exactly is going on. So it will be interesting to see exactly what happens when we see every single minute of every single cam that is available to us. And December 12th, hey, uh, that's going to be an interesting day for sure. That's going to be an interesting day for sure. Maybe, maybe I'll call in sick that day. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, in case you missed it earlier today in the very first segment, I played highlights from the Brett Winnable show, you know, which comes on before me right here on WBT from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. During the first hour, he had Mark Harris, who's running for Congress in District 8, as well as Mike Huckabee, the former governor of Arkansas, who also ran for Congress and, you know, had a show on Fox and everything else, or excuse me, ran for president, I should say. Mike Huckabee, who ran for president and has a show or had a show on Fox News. 
and I played some of the highlights. But if you want to go back and listen to the entire hour-long interview of those two in studio, I highly recommend that you go back to WBT.com and check it out. Or you can go to the WBT app. That's completely free of charge. Go back and listen to the interviews in their entirety. The best thing about sometimes listening to this stuff online, a lot of the commercials are taken out. A lot of the commercials. So maybe a fraction of the commercials that you would normally hear you're not going to hear them on the online version or the app version. All right, once again, have a great night, everyone. We look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. Governor Cooper's in town tomorrow morning, so we got that to look forward to. So we'll talk about that tomorrow as well as a couple other things. But until tomorrow, I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.